Acts chapter 4. We're going to be reading, I'm going to, we're going to be in the book that we're reading this month in, in uh, January. And uh, anyway, I, I tell you, I, I know I say this about everything we read or everything I read from the pulpit, but I love Acts. Um, it, it's, a, uh, it's an incredible book. And um, just to, to tell you kind of where we're going to be going for this month, I, I wanted, to, wanted to ask you just a couple things this morning. How many of you um, work at a workplace that is actually pretty hostile toward your faith? Anybody? Yeah. I know I've talked to a, f- a few folks here that, yeah, who have said that it's just pretty openly hostile towards Christianity. Um, and then how many of you are intimidated um, by just kind of the way culture is today and, and uh, intimidated to say something about your faith, to share your faith? Anyone ever intimidated about sharing your faith? Oh, really? Come on. This would be all of us, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's all of us are intimidated about sharing our faith. We're going to be reading about some of the troubles that the very first church had in the, in the first century and what they did about it. They had some trouble. They had, um, uh, they had some trouble also with their culture and being able to reach out to them and be able to say a word about Jesus Christ. And really, um, they, uh, is some of the, the struggles they had. But I love the book of Acts because the book of Acts, if I could be so bold as to offer what the theme is for the book of Acts, it's the triumph of the church. It, it just, the church in the first, in the first uh, chapter, in second chapter, it receives power by the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, these frightened, hiding uh, disciples of Jesus who went into hiding basically after he died and no one heard from them for some time until they received the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden it was like a, a match had been struck and now all of a sudden there was something of fire inside of them. And the change in Jesus' disciples is actually really well documented historically if, um, if, if you talk to people who don't have much belief in, in what uh, the Bible has to say in, in non-biblical historical documents, you can see that the, the disciples of Jesus Christ were completely frightened and afraid and had basically abandoned their faith and run in different directions. But something occurred because after something happened, they were lit up for their faith. They were absolutely on fire and they began to spread the gospel and give their life for it, um, which was a, an incredible change in the lives of these people. So that's what I want to talk about here with you guys a lot is how do you and I go from being very timid and very, in some ways, maybe even, um, uh, maybe even in, too intimidated to be able to speak a word about our faith to the people around us when you know that there's some hostility about it, when you know and I know that there are people who absolutely scoff at the idea that somehow Christianity is still true because of all the scientific discovery we've had, or, or um, you guys have seen what's happened here recently in, in some of the presidential debate is um, there are people who would offer to say that um, who would offer, and is that for me, Carl? Is everything all right? No. Huh? Yeah. Good? Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. Excuse us. Um, uh, I need a little headset here. Could, matter of fact, a little microphone, my deal, that I could speak into like the Secret Service does. That'd be kind of kind of cool. Anyway, um, how do we go like they did? How do we become like they did to become people who are really uh, kind of hiding and scattered to being people who are just absolutely unabashedly unashamed to speak about their faith to even though that their culture didn't change. Their culture was very hostile toward their faith, whether they were um, sharing to Jews or whether they were sharing to Gentiles. How does that happen? How did they change? What, what was the difference in their lives? And, and what hope do you and I have to ever 
be uh, able to share our faith better than what we do today. So anyway, we're going to read in Acts, and I, I love the book because, no, well, here you go. In, in the first two chapters, they receive the Holy Spirit. There's a coming of power, and from that moment on, boy, it, it's, it's just game on. It's just, it, it's on everywhere the apostles go. There's healing happening. People are coming to faith. Um, it is changing lives everywhere they go. It doesn't matter where they go. There are people there, not everyone, but there are people there who are coming to Christ uh, every day, it seems. And you remember the first sermon that, that Peter gets up and speaks, like 5,000 people come to faith. Well, that ain't too bad. Or is it three? I can't recall. But anyway, um, the, the very first time he speaks. So there's just exponential growth. But at the same time, throughout the book of Acts, you're going to see that there's opposition everywhere they go. There was someone in power who was opposing them, and either by beatings or floggings or imprisonment or riots, there is a huge persecution against the church throughout the entire book of Acts. But despite the opposition, the church and the gospel triumph. Amen? It is an incredible thing to see what has happened in this, in this uh, insignificant nation in the middle of the Middle East. By the end of the book of Acts, the gospel has caught hold of, of everywhere, almost everywhere in the Roman Empire. And what places it hasn't caught hold of yet, we can see in some of Paul's writings later that it will have caught hold by the end of the first century. It's just really an incredible thing to happen in such a short time. But the church triumphs no matter what, no matter despite the persecution, no matter the good times, no matter how severe the beatings were, no matter how severe the imprisonment was, the church triumphs throughout the book. And you're going to enjoy reading it, I think, as much as I do. So anyway, we're going to read one of the very early accounts of church persecution in Acts chapter 4. Now what's happened so far, as you guys have read, is we've re- they've received the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them, wait until you receive power. Right? And then he said, once you receive power, then go and testify about me all around the world. We're not going to really cover that in, from Acts chapter 2 this morning, but uh, chapter, chapter 1 this morning. But we're going to go on to Acts chapter 4 once that they've been basically then teaching them in the synagogues. And um, so anyway, here we go. In Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, please. Um, what's happened is that they've gotten called in. Uh, uh, Peter and John have been called in before the ruling council, the, San, the Sanhedrin, and they've been, they've been brought in because they've done a healing for a man who was crippled. And they are asking him, they're investigating the healing. And so these guys st- start to ask him. And they said, uh, these guys are talking amongst themselves, and they say in verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They won't even say it. The name of who? Jesus. Very good answer. Very typical, right? The answer on Sunday mornings. Okay, Jesus. All right. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. And listen to what he says in verse 20, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, they, they say, we can't help it. We're going to do it. It's go- we're going to, to talk about it because it's what we've seen. It's what we've heard. And really, literally, this has changed their lives. It's changed the lives of the apostles. Skip down with me to verse 23, please. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your, of our, of your servant, our father, David. 
Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let's, let me pause there for just a moment. What did the prophet, this is a prophecy from Isaiah, right? Why, wh- wh- uh, wh- what is it that Isaiah is prophesying here and why does it come into fulfillment here? He says that the nations and the rulers will rage and plot against God and his holy one, all right? So you and I shouldn't be too terribly surprised when we see um, the powers that be plotting and consorting against um, our religion, right? It, it was prophesied. This was going to happen. And particularly, they said that it's been fulfilled here in the first century whenever they're um, being persecuted by the uh, religious rulers. You know, and before we go on, I, I do want to say, um, these guys are talking to the same group of people who had Jesus handed over to be crucified, Right? So Peter and John have some real legitimate reason to be a little bit intimidated here, don't they? These guys plotted and succeeded in having Jesus and having their leader killed. Why wouldn't they succeed in having them killed? They they just just could have if it had been uh, God's plan. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand had happened. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? God in his sovereignty had determined that Jesus Christ would suffer and die by the hands of evil men. It was God's sovereignty that carried it out, uh, even though it was the plan and the plotting of, of Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Jews. Now listen what they pray for. Okay, so here they're in the midst of great persecution. The same people that had, had Jesus Christ killed are bringing their leaders up and, and having them basically sit in front of them and explain their actions. The very same people. So you and I, if this happens to us, what do we pray for? Lord, save us from this trouble, right? <laughs> Lord, Lord, let them see favor on us and, and save us from this. Don't let us go through this persecution. Don't let us go through this trouble. I think it's interesting the thing that they pray for here, but listen to, listen to their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats. They're asking, Lord, you consider, you think about what they're threatening us with. They're threatening us with, with floggings and imprisonment, and indeed that was going to happen, going to come. But anyway, he said, you, Lord, you consider their threats. And as they're praying here, the group of believers together here are praying. And they say, and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, why is it that these people prayed for boldness? We have so many times we have a view of people in the scriptures as being like superhuman, you know? These guys are like superheroes. There was nothing that they couldn't do. I'm guessing they were playing for boldness because they needed boldness because they lacked it. Are you with me? I, I, I know sometimes we kind of view these people as just being superhero kind of people. I'm guessing in the midst of this, they were scared. And so they prayed, Lord, give us boldness to speak. And if I may parenthetically say, because we lack it. We don't have the courage. We don't have the boldness that we need. But we know your will is, is that your word would continue to be spread. So, Lord, you're going to have to give us boldness. May I suggest to you this morning that that's the first thing that that you and I need, is that we need more courage. We just do. And where we lack it, the great thing is, just like these first century believers, we can ask for it. 
do you like courage in opening your mouth and sharing your faith? My family and I, we got to see, and with my parents, got to see the movie, um, We Bought a Zoo. The language is absolutely horrendous, so I, I don't know that I can recommend it. But one of the things from the movie that I took away that I just thought was absolutely great was um, this, the guy that the movie's about, his brother shares with him uh, a, a little tact for how to live his life and a little bit of wisdom. And he says, just every once in a while, just have insane courage for 30 seconds. Just an insane amount of courage for 30 seconds. And they're talking about it in the context of, of, of talking to a lady that he meets that he's interested in. But I, I think that's really actually pretty good advice for how to live your life. Just 30 seconds of courage. If you can just muster 30 seconds of courage to open your mouth and to say what you know you need to say to someone and just get over that 30 seconds and the rest of it will take care of itself. Um, so anyway, I thought that was actually pretty good advice for living. But the other thing is, is, is this, is that the good thing is that we can pray for courage and we can pray for boldness and we have within us God's Holy Spirit and that is no small matter, believers, amen? That is, he is the power of God at work in us to glorify Jesus Christ by how you live, by your relationship with a, with a father and the words that you speak and the care that you speak with other people. He will give you the courage and the ability to carry out the ministry of Jesus Christ. He just will. It is what he is about. Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, I want you to pay attention as you're reading it. Every time it talks about people being filled with the Holy Spirit, you pay attention to it. And let me just ask you this this morning. What were they doing? Almost every time in the book of Acts, they were speaking or teaching about Jesus Christ and about what he had done. Almost every time. You want to be filled with the Spirit? You've got to be honoring Jesus Christ. Amen? It is true. Read it in the book of Acts. It is true. Every time, you'll notice, highlight it, underline it, whatever you want to do. Every time that talks about them being filled with the Holy Spirit, what they were in the midst of was testifying about Jesus Christ and what he had done to bring forgiveness of sins. Amen? It's in there. You'd notice it as you read it here in the month of January. But anyway, um, yeah, why did they pray for boldness? Because they needed it. And I tell you this morning, nothing's changed in the heart of believers. We need courage and we need boldness today. And we can all say together, right, we lack it. And we need this from the Lord to give us the boldness that we need to be able to speak his name. It is intimidating, isn't it, to speak to something that in our society is very uncomfortable, right? In our society, we make religion is just something that we don't talk about. You know, it used to be politics, but politics seems to not even be something that people don't talk about anymore. It seems to be the center of a lot of our attention. But religion in our societal norms is just outside of that. People just don't talk like that, and people are, are especially against in our society, against even any kind of evangelical faith, no matter what it is. If you're trying to, to teach or to tell someone about Jesus Christ, people frown on that. If you're trying to evangelize for Buddhism, people frown on that. But I'm telling you this morning, that is society's norm. It is not what we are called to. We are called to share our, our faith. We are called to continue to speak the Word of God, and it is the Word and the story of Jesus Christ and how He as our great Savior and our great hero, laid down his life for us that we may not suffer under our sin and the punishment of sin anymore, but we are freed from it. Amen? That's a story we're telling. That's a story that the people around you need to hear. That's a story that even though they may be hostile to it, even in the beginning, at some point, they're going to need to know, how do I get back in touch with my Creator? People around you need to know that, and they need to hear it. 
I love it. Okay, and to finish that out, in verse 31 of chapter 4, it says this, after they prayed, you know what, before I go on, I need to, I need to say one more, time, one more thing. We don't do enough, I don't do enough teaching about the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you this morning, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Christianity would have died with those about 150 people. Because Christianity is not a human movement. It was not founded by just a human. Its ideas were not carried out by just humans, but it was empowered. It was backed by supernatural divine power, and that's why anyone has even heard of it today is because the power of the Holy Spirit empowers believers to carry out the message and to bring glory to Jesus Christ for what he's done. Amen? So you and I need to seek and ask for the, the, the demonstration of power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to ask for courage. We need to ask for boldness. And I love it what they pray for. They say, Lord, you stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs of num- and, and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Where do you think they would get any kind of idea like that, that the Lord might be willing to stretch out his hand and do signs and wonders? I don't know, maybe the three and a half years they followed Jesus, that's all they saw, uh, you know, over and over and over again that, that God is willing to show up big. We don't see a lot of signs and wonders in the United States, do we? I think because uh, suspicion is the new religion. Anybody catch that? Jonathan? Okay, anybody? Okay, anyway, um, because we're, we're just so unbelieving in this country. But I tell you, if, if you read anything from, from uh, people who are missionaries overseas, they still see miracles. They see miraculous healings even today. It, it still happens. God still moves in that way, and he still is able to, certainly, in, and, uh, but so much, not so much in an unbelieving nation. But anyway, uh, not to say he doesn't do it here. He certainly does, but he does it even more overseas. Anyway, we need the, we need the, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Could, could you all say that? Turn to your neighbor. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Just, just confess it to each other. Yeah, you need it. I need it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, this was never up to us. It was never up to humankind to carry this out. It is all by the power of the Holy Spirit that this thing called Christianity will succeed. And it will succeed because it is God's plan. Amen? It's his idea, and he's going to carry it out. Okay. It's going to happen. Amen? Okay. Okay, but a Pharisee, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. I'm over in, in Acts chapter 5, th- th- this discussion just keeps going on. They're the Sanhedrin and the, the, the Jewish leaders over in chapter 5, I'm going to be in verse uh, 34, they, they continue to have struggle because, um, well, a couple of things. One is people are still teaching about Jesus, and the other thing is, is that the people who are teaching about Jesus said, and those are the men that killed him, right, which they don't take very kindly to. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, kind of funny. In uh, chapter 5, verse 34, it says, so here they're all in discussion here. The Pharisees, the, uh, the, uh, the Sanhedrin there, and the council all are all there together, and they're talking about what in the world they're going to do. And there's a teacher, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who's very well respected apparently by all the folks, and he is basically the voice of reason amongst them. But anyway, in verse chapter 5, verse 34, it says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Okay, so here the Sanhedrin is going to an executive council, right? They, they, kick the, they kick the disciples out, and they say, We just need to talk here amongst ourselves. And so here he goes. So he says, Then he addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. 
After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Okay, so what's he saying here? All right, let's not freak out here. We've had people rise up and they've had a band of followers before and what happened is the leaders died and the people scattered, right? He says, I see a common theme here. Jesus, he had a band of followers. He died. Now his people are still around, so let's not freak out. It's going, it may be just like that, just like Thaddeus and just like, um, um, thank, help me? Yes, Judas. Yes, I'm sorry. And Judas, um, one of the, the men was a, was a zealot talking about that uh, the people of Israel shouldn't be talent to paying taxes. The other one they think may have um, been claiming to have some, some messiahship in some of the uh, kind of non-biblical um, um, history. Anyway, uh, but he too was killed and his followers were scattered. So anyway, what he's saying here is, you don't, know, you don't know, this may happen with these men as well. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. And listen to what he says. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. I don't even know if Gamaliel understood how wise he was speaking here, but how very true it is. Listen, what he's saying here is so very true. If the gospel had been the idea of mankind, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today. We would have never heard about it. This would have been some of those, one of those very odd, small religions that no one's ever heard about that died thousands of years before that no one has ever heard about, right? But that's not the gospel. The gospel has been changing people's lives for a couple of thousand years now. It has gone into almost every people group in almost every region of the world and everywhere it's preached, it is changing people's lives. People are finding the way about how God intended for their sins to be atoned for and that is by faith through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. It is the way that people have found to be in tune or in touch with God again is only through his, uh, this one God-man or this one mediator, Jesus Christ. And over and over and over again in all of society, you can read stories from people from the, from the 100s A.D. to 300 A.D. to 6 or 800 A.D. to the 1400s and the 1500s and the 1600s, and they believe the same thing you do, that Jesus Christ paid for your sin and paid for my sin, and it is by him that we find salvation and redemption. Amen? In every culture, in every place, in everywhere that it's preached, in every place that it's taught, there are some who come to believe it, and it has been changing lives. I want to tell you, too, this morning, Western culture and the way that we think, even if people who are not believers, the way that people think has been transformed by the gospel and they're not even aware of it. After World War I and World War II, you remember what the United States and Europe uh, was doing is that we gave loans and helped the people, the nations that we had defeated in World War I and World War II, and we gave them money to rebuild after the war. That has never happened before on the planet. Whenever you defeated an enemy previous to Christianity, and if you were not influenced by Christian thought, you had no value in the life of your enemy. You put them down, and you killed as many of them as you could, and you hoped that they would never rise up again. 
but, Christ, but Western culture had been so Christianized and we had placed so much value on the people that we fought as enemies. Whenever we had finally taken apart their government through war, we wanted to build the people back up. That is a Christian idea that even my enemy's life has value before God. Even people who aren't believers in the Western culture don't have any idea how much they've been influenced by Jesus Christ. They have no idea the value that we place on human life that people in the Middle East, people in the Far East don't have those same values because Western culture has been changed forever by Christianity. It has. It has forever been changed. And not only in our culture, but even more in our country, in our nation. But all that to say, I want to tell you, is that Christianity would be dead if it was just a good story. Christianity would be dead if it was just a good idea for mankind. But Christianity is not dead because it is the plan and the will of God. And it is backed by the power of God. And um, in Romans, whenever Paul finally uh, is about to get the, t- the chance to go visit Rome, he writes to the Romans and he says this in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Well, before I do that, let me tell you a little bit about Rome. We don't have any city like Rome today. Rome was the center of military rule. It was the center of political rule. In a lot of ways, it was the center of architectural and the arts. It was the center of philosophy in many ways in the, in the known world. And it was the center. You, you've heard the story, all roads lead to Rome. That was because literally all roads led to Rome. But also because it was the center of civilization. It was the center of power. It was the center of thought. It was the center of arts. It was a center of philosophy. It was a center of politics and legal uh, rule and legal ideas and thoughts about um, how criminal justice should work. All of that was centered in Rome. And here is Paul, unashamed and unabated by any of that, to be able to talk to the Romans. And he says this, even in all the wisdom and all the power that was there in Rome and all of the human wisdom that was there, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And, but I love that first part. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. There was no, you know, even the name Caesar, uh, the very first um, Caesar of Rome, the reason he was named uh, Caesar, the reason he was named that was because it had a, uh, a, a divine background. It, it, it meant almost godlike in its terminology. And in the midst of all of that, Paul was unintimidated and he was not apologetic for the message of the gospel. Even though he knew it would be foolishness to some people, he knew that there would be some who would come to believe in its power because it is, it is the power of God. Yeah, so for all the, polit- all the philosophies, all the military strength, all the political influence, all the constructs of wisdom, all the, all the wisdom of man, here's our next slide, Jason. The gospel is the word of God, its spread is the will of God, and the church is backed by the power of God to spread it. Amen? God will, God will see that all of his plans are carried out. He will, because he's the only being on earth who can do it. He's the only person, he's the only, only being in the, in the universe who makes a plan and says, you know what, all my plans happen exactly as I planned them. Every single one, right? Everyone, all the rest of us make plans and, right, 
they don't go very well typically. But anyway, but, uh, but the, the gospel is the word of God, and everywhere it's spread, it will have an effect. God's word never returns to him void. Everywhere you speak the truth about what Jesus Christ has done in your life, it will not return to God void. Because why? Not because it's you said it, but it's because it's the word of God. It is the message of the gospel. It's the, the spread of the gospel. That is God's will, and his will will be done. Amen? It will happen. The church is backed by the power of God. If Christianity were, uh, didn't have God as its backing and his divine power through the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have heard about it. But because we have, it will continue on and forever. And so let me tell you what's going to happen. All these ideas that science is the answer, one day that's going to show up as the idea that it is. It's a fraud. It's not true. There are questions that science cannot answer. What are we here for? Where are we going? What am I supposed to be doing? What's my purpose? None of those can be answered by science, right? Only by uh, Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can tell us what your calling is. He's the only one who can tell you what you've been created for. None of that can happen. But let me tell you, all right, the, everywhere the gospel was preached, everywhere it went, everywhere the gospel was preached, it took hold. Um, and it didn't matter where, it didn't matter with whom. In every society, you remember the, the Roman Empire, the Romans were very generous with what, with what they allowed people to, to rule themselves. So you had people of every known religion uh, in all of the Mediter- around the Mediterranean. You had, you had people who worshipped various of the Roman gods, various of the Greek gods. You had Jews. Everywhere it was preached, people came to believe in it. It was uh, it was applicable, it was relevant, no matter whom it was preached to, there would be people who would come to believe it. In the city, people believed it. In the country, people would believe it. From Roman rulers to military leaders to slaves, people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and the gospel was changing their lives. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, one of the first gospels that was, or one of the first epistles that was written, Paul's writing, and he says, All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Paul's testifying says, It doesn't matter where we take it, people are receiving the truth of the gospel. It is continuing and it is growing all over the world. Let me tell you, whenever you and I speak a word of the gospel, I want to tell you, whenever you share just a little bit, whenever you know someone who's been having marital problems and you talk to them to say, you know, my, my wife and I or my husband and I, we've had marital problems too, but you know what? We find that when we submit to the Lord that he is gracious to us and blesses us and, and works in us and, and, and works in our marriage or he's saved our marriage. Or when you have trouble with your kids and someone, someone's having trouble with their kids and you've had trouble with your kids and people ask you, what do you do at those times? What do you do? And you say, I just have to believe that the Lord God is in control and he'll see him back or he'll see her back. Whenever you speak a word like that, listen to me, it is not just your words. It is the gospel that you're preaching. It is the truth that you're telling is that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord, that he is the one who represents our hope. And when you say it, it has power. Amen? It has the power of the Holy Spirit behind it. And I know you don't think in those terms. I know I don't think in those terms. But even in the simplest explanation of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life carries the power of God behind it. So you don't be intimidated. You don't be afraid. You don't be uh, concerned that something that you say won't be relevant to that person. 
because the gospel everywhere it goes is relevant to people. Amen. In every culture, in every society, amongst the poor, amongst the rich, amongst the rulers, amongst the slaves, no matter what religion, no matter what background, the gospel has power. And people have been believing in it for thousands of years and putting their hope and their trust in it. And you can have that, that, uh, that same confidence whenever you speak a word about, about the gospel. Let me rant here for just a moment. The gospel is unstoppable. I'm going to share with you some stories next week about um, church, um, underground churches in, in China and places like that where no matter how oppressive the government has tried to be, the church has prevailed. It is unstoppable. Um, it is irrepressible. It is invincible. It is unbeatable. There is nothing that, that all of the constructs of man can do to put it down. It doesn't matter. People still want to come to find out how they can have faith in Jesus Christ and how they can have relationship again with their Creator. The gospel will triumph over all of the wisdom of mankind. The gospel will outlast all rulers. We just buried one, didn't we, last month? Kim Jong-il oppressive ruler, starving his people to death in North Korea, dead today. The gospel continues to be spread in North Korea, and I pray, I hope you are praying too, that the gospel will, will be even more able to spread throughout North Korea and people will be able to put their faith in Jesus Christ because they have no hope apart from him. Amen? The gospel will go on after the rise and the fall of nations, and no matter where it goes, it will be victorious it will triumph over every earthly and heavenly foe. It is the plan of God. It is the will of God. And it's spread through you is God's plan and his will. So let me, uh, let me, let me close like this. Let me say this. I know and you know that whenever it comes down to the time where you're having a kind of a heart-to-heart -heart discussion with someone and you can feel your palms begin to sweat, you can, you know, I don't know about you, my hands get cold when I'm nervous. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, when, when your palms sweat maybe or, or you begin to think about, wow, how am I going to get out of this or, or what am I going to say? But when you begin to have those discussions with someone and you know that this is the opportunity, just pray in that moment just like they did, just like they had to a couple of thousand years ago, Lord, give me boldness to speak. And maybe it's pretty good advice to say 30 seconds of insane courage. Just take 30 seconds to say what you know you ought to say to that person, to offer them the real hope that you found for their marriage or for their finances or for their loved one who's, who's sick or for their children who've, who've gone a little haywire. That time that you have to offer a little bit of hope to them is the power of God. Amen? It is his power. You don't have anything to be intimidated about. Every idea that brings itself against Christianity one day will be shown a fraud. Every one. It will. It will. And there will be only one truth that sustains through all of eternity and into the next, uh, our, next, uh, our next existence here, and that is the gospel. That is the truth of God. That it is the only thing. Everything else is going to be shown up as a fraud and deceit one day. Amen? You have nothing to be intimidated about. Christian, you hear me? I know you, you and I face sometimes very hostile people, but we have nothing to be ashamed and we have nothing to be intimidated about. So you don't be afraid to show 30 seconds of courage to, to say what you know needs to be said and just leave it to the Lord to say, all right, Lord, this is your word. This is your story and it is by your power. 
So give me the boldness to speak. Can you do that? Can you think about that this month as you're reading through the book of Acts and you're seeing those people facing persecution? When you're seeing those people facing decisions, you know, Peter and John had to sit back and say, what do we do? The same people that killed Jesus Christ are now threatening us. What do we do? And they said, we can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. I pray that would be true of us too. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that your gospel is power of God. It is not some story that we've got to convince people of. It's not some, some idea that we came up with that we've got to convince everybody else that it's a better idea than their idea. It is your power. It is your message. It is your plan and your purpose that, other, that everyone knows that salvation can be found in Jesus Christ, that he is the hope for their wayward children, that he is the, the hope for their marriage, that he is their, their hope for their financial problems, that he is their hope for, for their future. He is the hope for their sick loved ones. He is the hope as they face death. Father, I just pray that you would give us courage. I pray, the Lord God, that we would seek you just as those, those, those believers in the first century, just as they must have been intimidated. Lord, we, are, and we just admit, we confess, we're intimidated too. Lord, I pray in the midst of all of that, give us boldness. Give us courage to speak. Let us, help us to remember that it's not just our words. It's not just us trying to convince someone. But when we speak, it is the very word of God, the very plan of God, and the very will of God. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Thanks for being here. It's great to see you guys again after a little break. Hope you enjoyed my being gone. And uh, no, great to be back with you. And uh, again, congratulations. You want to say hello to Logan and Aaron there, the, uh, our newest newlyweds. Fantastic. Anyway, y'all have a great week. Lord bless you.